Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Streamer sounds, Streamer sounds? <laughs> sure. Oh, uh, we have some announcements before we roll on into a very special episode called Selfless, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, yes. First things first, um, my notes tell me to tell you about a big-ass merch sale. Um, that's, why, that's how I wrote it down. We're having a huge sale for one week and one week alone from today, January 12th, until uh, one week from today, January 19th. You get 31% off of nearly everything in both of our stores. Now, I suggested 30%. Jenny, you uh, told me, please, Kristen, let it be 31. Why? Why did you do that? Because I really wanted our beautiful listeners to have the opportunity to pay 69% (laughs) of the suggested retail price. (sighs) Nice. Um, Also, I did realize that this means that our pins in the U.S. store, which are normally $10, are now $6.90. Which means that you could get a wow, wow, wow pin for (gasps) $6.90. Yes, my beautiful legacy. For the next week, um, you can always find our store, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. uh, And that sale lasts for a week. If you're a $10 patron, your code still works. It takes 10% off now instead of 20 because 51% off as a total percentage off is a lot. But 41% for you. I'm sorry that you don't get to pay 69%. You get to pay 59%. That is it's too much sad, math. This but is too much just... math to start 2022 <laughs> off with. Tell them about the music at the end of this episode, Jenny. Indeed I shall. Kristen said, I'm sick of your voice. <laughs> I want to hear Sam Barbera come back and sing Anya. Then, then a glutton. Then a, a woman with no boundaries whatsoever in terms of getting what she wants out of life. Kristen said, I want not just Sam, but I also want Bess Rogers to return as Willow. I want an Anya and Willow duet for this song. Jenny, make it so. And thus I have. Hell yeah. You'll hear it at the end of the app. Everyone is welcome for me. I mean, it's just I have too much power. You know, that's the problem. Mm, You do. Like, we talk about Willow and Anya, Anya and Willow, Willow and Anya. And I was like, wait Mm. a minute. I have power uh, in this universe with these two characters. I can do what the show creators before me did not. I can bring them together. So Uh, anyway, if you're a patron, you know, we do a lot of live watches together right now. Jenny and I are allegedly watching the television show Firefly together, though we have not watched in quite some time. But we will be watching. (laughs) Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Cuckoo, kachoo. What's the name of the episode? (laughs) Our (laughs) Mrs. Reynolds. (laughs) Our Mrs. 
Reynolds we'll be featuring a very special guest star. Kristen, I'm not going to tell you who it is. We'll so be you watching can be the episode Our Mrs. Reynolds on January 22nd. And for those of you who are waiting for our um, episode that covers the, the three prior, it will be coming out very, very soon uh, before we do that watch on this 22nd. And uh, tonight is the last night, if you're listening on Wednesday, the 12th. Tonight is the last night of a Screamathon watch that I've been doing with everyone leading up to the <laughs> release of Scream 5 on Friday. We've watched 1, 2, and 3, and tonight, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be watching Scream 4. All of that information, bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash feels like. Um, speaking of feeling like, should leave the transitions to Jenny, I think. I mean, sweet Heavenly Moses, let me tell you, good people, about the results of our most recent Sexual Tension Awards poll for the episode, Help! Which is a sentiment I've been feeling this whole time that we've been taping the intro. Uh, So many slots, so many noms. Got to wrap this business up so we can come into 2022 fresh with new slots and noms. Mm -hmm. In fourth place, with 6% of the vote, who? Who? It's Zachary Ty Bryan and Infinite Riches. I mean, they had tension, but nobody wants to see it. So, more perhaps more disturbing, only getting two percent more of the vote, eight <laughs> percent of the vote for third place. Don and Mike the cutie, poor Mike, he's so Sorry. cute. The other contenders were pretty hard to. It's true. It's true. It was a really steamy app. <laughs> uh, in second place with thirty six percent of the vote. We've got fan faves, Cassie, who I went to high school with. Uh, me and too. And Dawn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, leaving in first place with a nice, round, voluptuous 50% of the vote. Oh my God. It's Willow and Doogie Hauser. Uh, the crossover episode you didn't know you needed. Oh, they're like sitting next uh, but to you each did other, get... both on giant computers. If somebody could tell us Doogie Hauser's forwarding address, I, I actually haven't updated mm-hmm. my phone book, my address book since 1990. So I just need to know where he's living these days. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, listener email. I actually have two listener emails um, because one I, I I got a million times and that's our bad. So we talked about Cassie for like four hundred hours but we never talked about the name cassandra (laughs) and like (laughs) that's on us we're sorry but just in case anyone didn't know or anyone did know and still hadn't emailed us you don't have to because ned is the email i selected who lets us know that in stories of the trojan war a woman named cassandra or cassandra depending on how you pronounce it was the daughter of the king and queen of troy and was given the gift of foresight by the god apollo but apollo also cursed her so that no one would believe her prophecies fucking typical in some accounts because she refused to have sex with him Cue the patriarchy jingle, says Ned. In various Greek and Roman poems, she appears as a recurring tragic figure who can foresee the bad things that are about to happen, but cannot convince anyone to take her visions seriously. So, yeah, we probably fucking prank Sinatra over here. (laughs) Why, dude? We probably should have mentioned that. We probably should have talked about it. Okay, sorry. Also, I just watched Scream 2 last night and uh, Sidney Prescott plays... Cassandra in uh, the play at school. So she's all over the place. Cassandra. Cassandra. Cassie. 1-800-1-Cassandra. 
too many letters. <laughs> okay. Um, I just had to include this email too, even though I know everybody wants us to get into the episode here. But a listener named Danielle wrote in to say, I felt compelled to respond when you jokingly asked, did you have a friend who looked exactly like Cassie in high school? I did. I mean, I really did. One of my close friends in middle school and early high school was the younger sister of actress Azura Sky. <laughs> <laughs> They look extraordinarily alike. And my friend named Tara, with a different pronunciation than the TV Tara, that's why I said it like that, had a similar style and alternative girl nonchalance as the Cassie character. I believe we were starting freshman year (laughs) of high school when this episode came out. I was a huge fan of Buffy in the early 2000s era, but Tara didn't uh, often talk about her sister's career. So I remember trying to keep my cool and not bring it up when the episode aired. We eventually drifted apart, but every time I see help, I think so fondly of our friendship. Simply put, I had a Cassie, and even without the psychic powers, she was pretty great. (laughs) That's fun. I had fun with that, Danielle. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Ned, thank you for telling us the story of Cassandra. And that sounds, it sounds like I'm being facetious. I'm not. We really, we really dropped the ball there. We really did. We deserved all those emails, because how dare we? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, And I guess we should... Maybe get into this fucking episode. What do you think, Jenny? Let's do it! Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with the incredible women whom I truly adore over on Angel on Top. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Welcome to 2022. I... I'm Kristen Russo, and hey, this week we're talking about a fucking banger of an episode, Season 7, Episode 5, Selfless. All ye who love Anya, please gather round. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, sometimes with my help, and sometimes voiced by other characters inside of the universe. Ooh, I wonder what will be at the end of this one. Oh, and by the way, that song recaps the Buffy episode we're discussing. <laughs> hmm Selfless was written by Drew Goddard and directed by David Solomon and originally aired on October 22nd, 2002. Oh, my. And this is the one, according to IMDb, where Anya's violent and deadly act of vengeance leaves everyone stunned. Buffy must put aside her feelings and take action before more people die. Must she, we ask? (laughs) Must you, Buffy? No one is quite Mm, sure about the turn that one Buffy Summers takes in this episode, but we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Mm -hmm. I seem to recall earlier in the season, there were some young women getting murdered all the time. You're right. But I forgot. FBY. Now those, those young women I-D-F-B-I-Y-D. have. I-D-F-B-I-Y-D. Uh, From beneath you, it. F-B-Y-I-D. F-B-Y-I-D. 
ID. You're right. They were. Right. And then we stopped seeing them. Do you think they're, do you think everything's fine? It was just those two. <laughs> yeah. Probably no young women are perishing uh, on the pointy ends of curved knives uh, <laughs> held by hooded figures. I'm sure everything is just fine now. Well, we did see Cassie die last episode, though it wasn't at the end of a pointy knife. It almost was. Also, those are just different robes. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. It's a That's whole true. other thing. Yeah, we don't get anything. I mean, the previous Leon sets us up to kind of get Anya aided. I was trying to combine situated and Anya, but it, it just didn't happen for me. Anya aided. Okay. Uh, we remember Olaf. Who could forget after Jenny voiced the troll? Jenny, do you have any troll mm. impressions you want to do at the top to sort of like get everyone ready for what might be to come? No, no, no. I'm fine everyone with everyone in their like cars and at their desks was just waiting for you to shout it was just one wench mm, <laughs> it'll happen well. i'm not concerned we'll get there um and you know in addition to remembering about olaf we also get the little play-by-play of anya's been having some performance issues when it comes to being a vengeance demon uh hallie getting to say her line one more time in the previous leons that she's been referred to as miss soft serve um the vengeance demons kind of sound like a hoot like once we also learn that there's like a vengeance demon named lloyd who has like a sketch of flayed warren at his desk i just like Mm -hmm. would love the vengeance demon spinoff show i think it would be a good time i would like to see it. <laughs> I also Lloyd. It's like De Hoffren, Halfrek, <laughs> on Yanka, and, and Lloyd. Lloyd. It's a perfect sitcom. Give it to me. Mm. So your fave is on screen. Don's got a lot of advice for Willow. Back to school Willow. Don's just like, whatever you can do to blend, blend. Uh don't, you know, draw attention to yourself. Do everything you can to fit in. Don says. People may say things to you that you don't understand. Someone might say, my protein window closes in an hour because this is not dialogue organically happening between two human individuals. This is a script that was written in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. And, you know, so we've watched this episode a few times. Uh, I would say that I've watched it a few more than I normally watch when we tape. And so I don't know. I mean, it's a big episode. um, And also with the various times I've watched through it, things that didn't have as much meaning to me have taken on more meaning. Some some of you just watch a show and you just immediately understand what's happening. It takes me like several times through. And at first I was like, this is a funny thing that's happening here. <laughs> like that Dawn is just like giving this advice that the way to fit in is to just think, pretend that you understand, like essentially don't ask any questions, which you can probably now follow where I'm going with this all is that like this whole episode, in my opinion, one of the key pieces of this episode is that since she was odd before her vengeance demon days, um, She has, we learn in this episode, been told by others that her questions are irksome. Uh, People would like her not to talk. She takes things too literally. She X, Y, Z, right? And I, I really think that Anya's, a lot of you have written into us about Anya as a neurodivergent character. And that's something that I would love to dig into more later in the season and, and, and explore more. But like, if we, if we really think about the fact that Anya, odd, 
however we're going to call her across time, <laughs> has always been somebody mm-hmm. who's been told that who she is at her core is not acceptable, is not okay, that she has to like modify who she is to fit in, then I think like that can be looked at as part of the underlying heartbeat of her choices along the way. And like she says at the end, of course, we'll get there, but like that she has clung to things along the way. And, and you know, there's a lot of reasons why people might do that. But one of them surely is being told that who you are is not OK and it's not acceptable. So I think it's actually really brilliant that the conversation that we see at the opening of this episode is Dawn being like, you know what I've learned in high school? I've been there for like two weeks. And what I've learned is you just have an easier time <laughs> if you pretend like you understand what everybody is talking about. Because that's, mm-hmm. yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, I think it is, uh, you know, really uh, reliable strategy for avoiding conflict. Yeah, I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I really do. I like not a lot, especially like now my whole shtick is that I don't know about movies so I can just be truthful. But like before that was my shtick, <laughs> I would just nod along to references I didn't understand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's well, good on you. You and Don are two peas prepared for the same pod, <laughs> ready to rock, right? Yeah. Xander's been thinking about calling Anya. Uh, he's worried about her because she seems so sad. Wow, I wonder fucking why. Fuck! Oh, yeah, I guess that's a fair read inside of this podcast, but I actually thought that this was really nice. I just, it just, it just, because she is really sad. She is really lost. Uh-huh. I'm like, yes, it is partially because of Xander and everything that happened, but, like, I think Xander is, is, accurately reading that like he's like like he fucked up he did something bad but I think he's accurately reading that perhaps the way that Anya is sad goes a little bit deeper than even that atrocity that he committed could have caused Mm. so I I actually Mm. have I mean I think you do too but I I have a lot of space for Xander in in a lot of this episode um sure yeah yeah um, but yeah, she seems so sad. Also, I would like to point out that we are decorating Willow's room, formerly Buffy's room. Everybody's beds are on different walls, you know, like fucking Buffy's in Joyce's <laughs> room. The bed's on a different wall. Willow's in Buffy's old room. The bed is on a different wall. Xander and Buffy walk in with a lamp. It has a lot of tassels on it. A lot of just sure. dangly tassels. And then there's like a vase of like large plume feathers in the corner. Uh, yes. Typical <laughs> of any 21-year-old right. bedroom. Well, but hold on, because now I have to bring you all the way to my hypothesis. I thought it was funny because mm-hmm. who would decorate their room like this? And then later we're at Anya's. And she has a fucking lamp with tassels on it, motherfuckers. Mm. So I'm just saying that perhaps Willow has spent enough time at Anya's house to be influenced. Oh, to have picked up on her decorating yeah. tendencies. Yes. I see what you're Or maybe like one night, about. you know, after they, you know, Willow was like, I love that lamp. And Anya was like, oh, my God, I have two of them. You can totally have this one. Just saying. <laughs> two ladies, two lamps with tassels. I would like to put it in the evidence bin. Thank you. Oh, my God. Okay. F- consider that piece of evidence filed under L for lamp or and also cross-filed under T for oh tassels. God. Do you think the L word is lamp? It's been lamp all along. <laughs> <laughs> Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> all right. Anyhow. 
so basically the end of this scene is Xander trying to say to Buffy, like, the things that you're saying about Anya and you're, like, worry about her as a vengeance demon aren't totally founded because she isn't, she isn't, that isn't her anymore, he says. Uh, And Buffy's like, I hope you're Mm -hmm. right. He is right. It isn't her anymore. It's not not her, but it's also not totally her. We see many versions of Anya in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) You want to know what I call the frat house in my location notes? What? Murder Crombie. <laughs> Murder Crombie. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> good. Thank you. This is good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, at a frat house, uh, surrounded by college boys who have been relieved of their hearts, uh, Anya is wearing a white dress, covered in blood, mm. saying, what have I done? And... Credits. Yeah, it's a really beautiful. I mean, you know, the black and white dress with the red blood. It's very, it's a very beautiful shot. It is. Ah, and back we go in time to Sojournst. Sojournst? I would, okay, to our uh, beautiful Swedish listenership, I would implore you to email Kristen about the phonetic pronunciation of this, I would say Sjornjost. I feel like Sjorn. You're right Swedish about the Sjorn. Yeah, Sjorn. But maybe Sjornjost. Right. Can you have two kinds of J's in the same word in Swedish? Probably. I say is this a nothing real place? About, I don't think it is a real place because I looked it up and Buffy immediately but popped it, up. <laughs> it's so long ago that um, there are vertical lines uh, on the. Yeah, the, the, the camcorders <laughs> were old back yeah. then. <laughs> So, uh, let me tell you something that I read. Yes. About uh, according this, to Drew about Goddard. Swedish, yes. Yeah. Drew Goddard claims that the Sjornjost, crossing my fingers that I'm saying it right, scenes were written in Swedish, but he intended for the lines to be dubbed badly in English. So, Emma Caulfield and Abraham Ruby, who plays uh, Olaf, we're told they didn't need to memorize the Swedish that carefully because it would not be heard. Both actors memorized all the alleged Swedish words phonetically, and the show creators were so pleased with their performances that they decided to subtitle the scenes rather than dub them. Why do I feel like any native Swedish speakers who happen to listen to our podcast are uh, setting fire <laughs> to uh, their village right now after <laughs> hearing me? tell them this well i mean it's like right but i think like i i imagine that the decision was that it it felt so funny to them watching them pronounce these things phonetically that that's what like he didn't choose to not overdub it because he thought they did a good job that's not what i took from this is that what you took right right it was just it was more enjoyable yeah which is like whatever Mm. and and you can tell you if you know this and you go back because there's a there's a moment when the camera gets real close on um emma caulfield and she just says the word troll and she says it so clearly in a way where she had been told that this would be the only overdubbed like not overdubbed mm. word you know because troll is uh-huh. a universal language just like math mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um and so and like when the rest of it isn't overdubbed it's kind of like why did she say troll like that <laughs> But if you know that that was what her what she was told as an actress, then it's like, oh, that's why that's why that troll lands the way that it does. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, the other alleged Goddard fact that I dug up 
uh, that's relevant to this scene is that uh, he chose the name Odd for Anya's original human name because while researching Viking names, he found a Viking king named Olaf who had a wife named Odd, known for her sense of humor and her ability to manage money. <laughs> what are the odds? What are, what the, are the odds? odds? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, wow. Two facts that I don't need to to read because you have read them. Fantastic. We're doing a great job. We are nailing it. Did you know that about us? It cannot be denied. No one can say that we're not oh, podcasters. S- Olaf is tall, man. Abraham Van Ruby is tall. Yes, he is. He's a large so man. He's a large man. And um, we get. So I said to Jenny yesterday, but why is Anya afraid of rabbits? Because we get like. Odd is in their home and she's picking up a little rabbit and she's kissing his little nose and she puts it down and then Olaf comes oh, home and yeah. he's like, oh, these bunnies sure are multiplying, which makes me want to fuck. Uh, and like, you never really learn more about the rabbits. But here's what I think, Jenny. I'm ready. So Odd says to Olaf that like since the bunnies are are procreating all over the place they have no need for them and what if she just takes the bunnies and gives them to the villagers because not for an exchange of goods and services but for goodwill and the sense of accomplishment that stems from selflessly Interesting. (gasps) Giving yourself to others. And so it's just really interesting when you think about like where Anya is now and like her new love for capitalism and like where she went all along this journey. And I think Mm. maybe part of the reason she doesn't like bunnies is because probably one of the core pieces of Anya or Odd was this like she had this beautiful desire to just like give something good to the world. And the response that she got from Olaf was, you are insane like a troll. This is why the ladies at the bar don't want to talk. Like she basically is taught in that moment that like that instinct is silly and incorrect and should be made fun of. And I'm sure she's had a lot of moments like that. But I, I would just like to posit that I think this is part of the reason, part of the reason that Anya does not like bunnies. Okay. 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 I accept that. Thank you. Uh, I also, um, that is one of several seeds that we get um, that are sort of callbacks, call forwards mm-hmm. to Triangle. Uh, Olaf refers to troll logic uh, as non-logic, essentially. And we, we have the, the insane troll logic quote from Triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first comes into their their home... He's saying that he is so hungry he could eat a baby, which is what he prefers to eat later when he becomes a troll. And uh, he's just like going off about how much he hates trolls and how wretched they are. Uh, so it's pretty funny that mm-hmm. that he is turned into a troll. What a what a what a great troll also, on this troll. Yes. Oh my God. Wow. Yes. On on your really odd. Really trolled that her husband. She really trolled him. Mm-hmm. Um. What, later, when Olaf is a troll, the, one of the villagers is like, hide your babies and your beadwork, which I thought was an interesting thing to also do. Trolls enjoy beadwork. Do they like to wear fancily decorated? No, no, no. I think I think that the residents of Sjornjos just are beadworkers. And oh, so they just um, don't want their work. And this destroyed. is like some typical Whedon verse lingual absurdism. Hide your babies and your beadwork. Mm-hmm. Uh throw fruits and various meats or whatever you know that kind of thing yeah it's got a very specific flavor Uh, 
so Odd is worried that Olaf might be sleeping with a bar matron, uh, and Olaf is, of course, denies it up, up and down. And I, I just love Run you big. so much that uh, you'll always be my girl, uh, says Olaf, and many future men to many future humans. Uh-huh, and uh-huh, right uh-huh. before they go, he's to like, the baby, bar. baby, 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 baby. <laughs> Um, and that, and there's a lot of hard cuts in this episode. I mean, they, you know, they're really like setting us up for this. This is a devastating episode. I mean, it's really fucking sad. Um, so we go right from Olaf saying, don't worry, you'll always be my girl. Hard cut to Anya in the bathroom, covered in blood, scrubbing her hands in the sink. That's the whole, that's all we see. It's just a hard cut from then until now. I'd like to take this opportunity to issue yet another public service announcement to all residents of Sunnydale and surrounding areas. Stay away from frat houses. Nothing good ever happens there. There's simply no reason for you to just stay away. Yeah. Thank you. Don't celebrate your birthday and don't go to a frat house. Two major rules to follow in Sunnydale. Yeah. And go out of town on Halloween. (laughs) Yes. Halloween. So we're down in the basement. Um, Basically, I mean, you can tell at this point in the season that, like, (laughs) they're going to want to do something with Spike and Buffy, but they, like, have other stories they have to tell. Because I think this is, like, the second time that we've gotten just, like, one scene. And then Buffy's like, anyway, more on that later. (laughs) And then we get, that's what we get here. It's just this one basement scene where um, Spike is, we don't know, you don't know as the viewer, I mean, I don't think anyway, that what you're seeing is not Buffy in the first bit of this scene. Um, You're definitely not supposed to, but I think especially in in contrast to the vibe of Buffy, real Buffy when she shows up, it's, they're definitely giving you information to let you know that it's not her, but they don't want you to know that it's not her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, like it worked even on me having seen the damn thing before, because the first time I watched this, the moment, the only moment I was like, wait a minute, was when she like puts her hand on his head. I was like, hold, hold on just a second. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then the reveal happened a moment later. So, you know, I'm that guy. But um, Spike says to fake Buffy. You are that guy. I am. I'm always that guy. Uh, I've been seeing things. He has this really beautiful little, um, like, aside about Drew. Because we saw him see Drew. He sort of, like, went through his little (laughs) big bad Rolodex of his brain. um, And one of them was Drew. And (laughs) and, uh, he says to fake Buffy... um, She'd see showers, like inside she'd see the sky. She'd see showers, she'd see stars, mm-hmm. and now I see her. And it's it's really beautiful. And it like, I mean, I think we all remember the moment that he's referencing when Drew was laying and looking at the ceiling and talking about naming the stars, but she named them all the same. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. I just think it's really sweet. Um, And then... I don't know what we're to make of this, uh, but we get, I guess, probably what Spike would like to happen, um, wishes to happen. I'm in trouble, Buffy. I can help you. I can never ask. Not after. It's different. You're different. I could never ask. Spike, it's me. It's you. And it's me, and we'll get through this. 
I mean, we know because we've seen Buffy talk about Spike to others that like she does. She is of the opinion that Spike is, is different, um, but she's she's not going to be like tenderly touching his head uh, because of that fact. Um, but she does show up and she's like, you're a mess. Get up and get out of this basement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one way to do it. You know, and Spike says, I, I don't have anywhere else to go. Why? I mean, fine. Like, we'll accept it. But why? Why can't he go to his house? Uh, that's a good question. Because like, Clem was watching Clem? it for him. Yeah. Clem would, eat, like, mm. very swiftly take Spike in. We know that Clem is a good, loyal friend. So I, whatever. But what we learn here is that you Spike know, has nowhere else to go. What's really interesting to me is that... um hallucination Buffy mm-hmm. has a little braid in her hair and then when real Buffy comes she also has a little braid in her hair and do you know why all the Buffies have a little braid in their hair I kind of think I do but why don't you tell me it's because Sarah Michelle Geller was only available for three days of shooting for this episode because of her wedding yeah and what you see in this episode is her, quote, wedding hair. Except they, they, I guess when you're getting married, you just have the same hairstyle for no a week. I think that it's so I did a little bit of digging on this. Like I looked at her wedding photos because I was like, tell me more. Mm. She does not have a braid in her hair in her wedding. Um, so I don't Interesting. think I don't think that's what they meant. I don't think like they meant the braid was how she would have her hair styled for her wedding. I think what they meant was that they probably were using various things on her hair in a, in a episode to episode manner in this season. And she was like, no, no, because my fucking wedding is this week or whatever. So you have to use my actual, like you have to use this hair. This is the hair you're working with. And so they made this braid. Like, that's how I read it. You know, like, what, whether they were giving her extensions or whether they were, whatever they were doing in other episodes, they couldn't do. And so they had to use, like, just Sarah Michelle Geller hair for this episode. Could you give me more information when you, about what you mean when you say you have to use this hair? Like, I don't know that she is, I don't know that when we see Buffy in episodes one through four, we're seeing only Sarah Michelle Gellar's hair. I think we might be seeing Sarah Michelle Gellar's hair with extensions or with like things to make her hair fuller or whatever the fuck they do. I don't know. I'm not, I don't oh, okay. TV, but like, I, like, okay. I would imagine that the reason that they have this braid in her hair is because they need like a distraction from the fact that perhaps she doesn't have the same hair that she's had for these last few episodes. Cause she was like, I'm not Buffy. I'm fucking Sarah. You know, am I not making any sense? Okay. Hairdressers, um, you know, I am the daughter of a hairdresser, so I do. I have ah. generational knowledge uh, on this topic. But if you know more than me, please write in, tell me, uh, tell me how wrong I am, or you know how right I am. <laughs> anyway, shall we go to campus? I think we should. I think it would be best if we went to campus. <laughs> Willow is back on her bullshit of being good at school. Aww. It's cute to see Willow all excited. Her professor's like, you were always the best student in the whole class. It was amazing how you did that quick turnaround after missing so much and you aced those finals. It was like magic. (laughs) Well, similar to, but definitely not actual. But it's very important for me to clarify to you, my professor, that that was not real magic. Yeah. So, um... you know, that thing. When you're talking to your professor, but then out of the corner of your eye, you see 
your best friend's ex-girlfriend walking out of a frat house in the middle of the day under uh, the blazing sun in front of God and everyone uh, wearing a, a apparently not but a trench coat. Mm-hmm. No, We've all she's been her there. dress is under there. She's got her dress. Sure, but like mostly it's trench coat. (laughs) Yeah, Willow sees uh, her girlfriend coming out of this frat house, and she is like, uh, she's so excited. Anya, Anya, (laughs) she's so excited. Yeah, like all about school. Like you won't even believe they're going to give me pop quizzes, and Anya is like. Please kill me. Like, someone literally kill me right now. I can't possibly <laughs> deal with the situation. She makes up this very bad lie. I have a new boyfriend, and he lives there. We just had a lot of sex. Alice uh-huh. Hannigan definitely getting some points for her response. Okay. <laughs> sure, buddy. Uh, yes, but then she clocks the telltale wrist blood on Nadia's wrist. Oh, the wrist blood on Anya's wrist. Listen. Uh, yeah, it's an odd place for Anya to have blood since we've seen her scrubbing her hands so much. It probably would have made more sense for her to have like a little blood on like her neck or I don't know, just like not her actual hand, but whatever. Willow is wearing an amazing outfit that I would like to just give a quick shout out to. She's wearing like a red sweater with a uh, like a brown skirt and red tights and brown boots with a really great necklace. It's just like a look that I personally um, subscribed to in the early 2000s. And I love to see it on Willow. I object. <gasps> object to what? <laughs> I just the palette. I Oh, it's just not quite. Uh, what I want out of life. I mean, I don't know that I want it out of life in 2021, but I did want it out of life in 2003. I think she looks great. Yeah, she looks straight out of Adelia's catalog. Exactly. Okay. All right. So so into the frat house she goes. In she pokes her snout and, oh no, there's big splotches of blood everywhere. Everywhere. Like, why did Anya even drag them all into one room? But, like, I don't understand really what the point Unclear. of that was. But I guess it's so uh, we didn't have to see them all together at once because that would have been hard to do from like a camera and set uh, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So Willow peeks into the pile of boy room, um, sees them all. And then she hears uh, a girl crying, saying, I take it back. I take it back. This girl does a great job with this short little performance that she has. I think she she really conveys the shock of seeing dozens of boys uh, de-hearted in front of her. Yeah. This girl is traumatized. Very. Uh, she explains to Willow that a boy was like, there's going to be a big party, come as my date. And then he got to his frat house and then it was just uh, 11 other dudes and him being like, LOL, just kidding. This seems like a lot of everyone's time and energy for what I have to imagine is very little payoff. Like, what do you, as a fucking real piece of trash guy, even get out of this? Like, think about how much fun you could have actually had uh, instead of investing your time in. I think you're, I think you, 
whatever this is. You might be misunderstanding the um, patriarchy, Jenny. The patriarchy! I mean, it's just fucking shitty dudes being really fucking shitty. Like, it's it's funny to this guy. I personally would move that 11 of the guys could have gotten their hearts back, but that the actual perpetrator could have stayed fucking dead on the floor. You know what I mean? You think that's a punishable by death offense? <laughs> well, I mean, okay. listen. Remind me not to live in your world. <laughs> Just in, just in case I make a terrible mistake uh, ever. Imagine, though, like th- these are this. It's not even like they're middle school kids, which it still wouldn't be like at all. OK, but like you're a college aged human being and you date a girl yeah. and then you invite her over just to make her cry in front of your friends and then you laugh at her more. I'm sorry. I'm. I, it's going to take a lot for me to be convinced that this person deserves to keep their fucking beating heart inside of their chest. But okay, okay, okay. Anyway, uh, so as Willow's continuing to have a conversation-ish with this girl, uh, she's like, "Where did the de-harding monster go?" And in what I think is a poor dialogue <laughs> choice, the girl says. What do you mean? Instead of something like, it's, it's still here you, or yeah. it's behind you. <laughs> they weren't yet. The CGI department hadn't yet decided when the spider would enter the frame. <laughs> this spider. Oh, my God. Only rivaling the fucking great big snake. If you ask me, this spider is fucking batshit banana town. Yeah. Some truly <laughs> regrettable CGI in All this episode that sizes? does not hold up. But it's. <laughs> the it's this is filed in my mind as the Drew Goddard special, but maybe it's not. I, I just feel like I've seen this protruding sort mm. of square mouth thing. I mean, that's just before like alien esque, right? Like it's like Cloverfield. It's like mm-hmm. the J.J. Abrams Star Trek ice cave monster. It's. Stranger Things. Right. Uh, stop putting protruding square mouths in <laughs> Monsters Challenge 2022. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's especially bad because, like, it just kind of like little suction cups in this scene. Like, it's little second mouth <laughs> just like suctions to the magic and then it's like, ah, yeah. and it flies out the window. But it's later when that inner mouth is literally drooling on Buffy Blech. that Blech. I lose my fucking shit. Uh, so, yeah, no, Willow, thank you. Willow uses her magic. I don't like this. I know it's here to like let us know that like Willow's magic could come with dark stuff, but like it's just very on the fucking nose for her to be like protecting them from one large spider and then to be like, for God's sake, shut, shut your, your whimpering, whimpering mouth. mouth. Like <laughs> just She's like about to jump in the WWE ring. <laughs> And start I throwing elbows. Feel, I just feel personally like Willow would be able to put up a protection shield without yelling at this traumatized girl in a closet. But like, I know why I it's don't there. Know. I know why it's there. And well, fine. I will take it. I'll take it. I'll put it in the bin. Fine. Speaking of monsters, <laughs> Olaf is a troll. Hide your babies and your beadwork. He's like, I'm Olaf. I'm o- Guys, it's me. Guys. <laughs> 
the troll is doing an Olaf impression. How do you think a troll got the like hard data and field research to be able to do an Olaf impression, sir? Oh, and then this is I think this was really cool. I don't know how you felt about this, but like <laughs> the they decided to discard the old camcorders of the 800s uh, as they pan <laughs> around. I mean, it's done really. Be- I think it, it looks really pretty th- as they pan from the scene in the village to where uh, Anya Odd is standing uh, with Dehafrin. It like mm-hmm, colorizes, mm-hmm. Um, and it's just real nice. And Hoffman, yeah, it's a cool choice, and it's like you know her transformation has begun. Yeah, yeah, you know mm-hmm. she's totally unflapped uh, yep. by the appearance of a multi-horned, purple-skinned, mm-hmm. uh, full-eye black contact-wearing Dahafrin <laughs> rolling up on her village. <laughs> And I mean, we learn in her conversation that she's been doing really advanced magics. And, you know, this is I don't know if we've mentioned it already in this conversation, but like there's such a massive overlap between Willow and Anya. And I don't just mean that in a sexy way. Uh, I It's just like Willow. Willow has been which we'll see her use the amulet that Dehoffrin gave her. Like Willow has been visited by Dehoffrin the same exact way that Odd mm-hmm. is visited by Dehoffrin in this moment because mm-hmm. in in the beginning, Odd was a very, very powerful witch. She she knew how to use magic in ways that were really inventive that are impressed Dehoffrin. He doesn't even know how she did it. Yep. 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 Uh spicy little spell variations. Yeah, she used a little of Thornton's hope with a little eel's bane. And he's like, damn, <laughs> damn. Uh, what did he do? A bar matron. Da da da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, come away with me. Join my band of rogue vengeance demons. Punish <laughs> evil men on behalf of wronged women, but only those who deserve it. And Anya's like, they all deserve it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. That's yeah. what I. Yes, That's, that was the angle. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we get more from her in this scene about how, like, the people in the village don't talk to her. They reject her. They make Boo. fun of her. Um, and But what's complicated here is that she has yet another person telling her that she, like, that she doesn't know her true self, right? It's like, because because by the time we get to the end of this episode, Anya is in a place clearly where she is saying, like, I've actually never asked myself. Dauphin says that as well. Like nobody's asked Anya, what does Anya want? And and he asks her that at the end. And she says at the end, like, uh, what do what who am I? Because and what we're seeing here is like she's only defining herself based on the things that other people are telling her. You know, she wanted to give bunnies away and Olaf said that was ridiculous. She punished Olaf and and like that felt good too. And sorry to be like so whatever about all of this, but I just think it's really interesting because I don't think that as human beings, we are often taught that we can hold two things at once. And so I feel like for Anya, odd, a lot of like her desires are in conflict with each other because like we live in a world that says they can't both coexist, right? You can't want to like mm-hmm. give bunnies away and also wreak havoc on your husband because he's cheated on you like you're either bad or you're good and i think that odds instincts and anya's instincts and many of our instincts 
are not always one way or the other. And it's her confusion about the coexisting pieces of herself that has made her, like, what she say, like, hold on to things so often in her life. Well, you know what you should really hold on to in life? Hmm. A pencil cup that you're balancing on your forehead. No, oh, You know what I mean? Oh, Buffy. Ma'am, you're at work. You're in the workplace. I think she understands that she does not have a lot to contribute in this particular department. <laughs> She's like, I know it's important for me to be here, but I simply don't know why. She's like on the phone with Willow. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm, big spider. Yeah, okay, oh, wow, ripped out its heart. Okay, hey, did you get that physics class? Everybody's tired, man. We just, just please, let us live. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, it's season seven. <laughs> Over at Anya's. Over at Anya's. Mm. Uh, Halfrek is so stoked. And Anya's just like staring into the middle distance. Uh, I'm not at all surprised to learn that spider demons are impossible to house train. Are you? <laughs> Imagine them with like little litter boxes, big litter, litter boxes. boxes, little spider diapers, <laughs> little spider leashes, spipers. <laughs> um, Hallie is she? I mean, I love Hallie. I know that she's a vengeance demon and she kills a lot, sure, of but people. she's fun. She and she's That's also real. I think she's like a really. I think she just really loves Anya a lot, and yeah. Based on her understanding of the universe, she's just so proud of Anya, you know, like she's been genuinely worried. She doesn't want Anya to get kicked out of being a vengeance demon. She like wants her to be able to find, I think, what Hallie believes to be Anya's truest self. She wants her to find herself again and just remember the joy that you can take from from vengeance. And um, Anya's is... Not yeah, how nice. There. I mean, for her, though, for her it is. Oh, I know, I know. Anya's like, I guess I'm a little rusty. I didn't think it'd hit me like this. And Hallie is really supportive. She's like, it's normal. It's normal. <laughs> it's normal to feel this way. It's a reflex, but like, you'll get it under control. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Got you. Oh, yeah. This is the sound of me leaving space for Jenny to talk about the entrance of another character in the scene because I know you have some feelings about <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> Then in busts Willow Rosenberg. Get out. Halfrek calls her Lemon Drop, which has created a new headcanon for me, <laughs> uh, which is that uh, something wicked is between Halfrek and Willow. You don't just go around calling everyone Lemon Drop. That's a very specific pet name. That's true. You know I mean? love it for Willow. I love yeah. I love Lemon great. Drop. Uh, Willow's been on. Um, what do you think? Uh, which Which Tinder is in Sunnydale? Mm. Two thousand two. Brooms with a Z. Uh, cauldron to cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, w- Will has just been branching out, I think, and Do- getting boil, uh, swiped on boil, and swiping in return. Boil, boil, trouble and date me. Uh. Mm, doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh. weird sisters. <laughs> You you really need the, to get the full effect of Jenny's idea. You have to imagine her eyebrows going uh, like waggling, literally waggling up and down. 
And yeah. she says weird sisters. <laughs> yeah, you know, weird sisters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it could just be match.com, but it's like an actual match that's lighting a candle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, this is the this is the point at which we have bad ideas live. We don't ever come back with better <laughs> ideas. And then all of you take the time you need to be like, how could you possibly have missed this one? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure there are incredible things that are right there. But I will take this opportunity to remind you of the time when on absolutely the fly, I came up with Lair B&B <laughs> for Spike <laughs> renting out his crypt. And I feel like I can coast on that for the rest of my life. Okay. So, fine. Headcanon has it that Willow's been doing a little smoochy smooch with Halfrek as well. Mm. Halfrek's like, let me tell you about William, because I've got stories. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Anya gives Hallie permission, you know, like, because Hallie's very, being very protective. Like, I will stay here and defend you. Um, and Anya's like, don't worry. You can go. And Hallie says, if you need anything and does, like... Callie Rosa. Her little just like just and to remind everyone, you know, Jenny mentioned this in the last episode where we saw Hallie, but just in case you forgot or you didn't listen to that episode, Callie Rosha did all of her scenes in one day for every episode in this whole freaking season, which is really two, because R.I.P. Hallie at the end of this one. But uh just remember mm-hmm. that all of this was done in a day. And as you can very clearly tell. In her last moments, she is shooting on a green on screen. A green screen, yes. This is where we see the tassel, uh, the tassel herd around the world or whatever. Um, oh, hell yeah. And Willow and Anya have a, uh, what I find to be a very important conversation with each other here. Uh, so let's, let's listen in if we shall. Anya, listen to me. You're in trouble. You know it. I'm here to help you. <laughs> You're here to... Well, that's great, Willow. Flayed anybody lately, have you? How quickly they forget. I haven't forgotten one second of it. What do you want? I want to help you. They got what they deserved. No, they... I am a vengeance demon. Do you understand that? No. Try! They got what they deserved. Again, I think the this is a very high level of punishment for some really uncool behavior. Yes. Well, and that's what Anya is, is grappling with. I mean, she she's clearly in this moment trying to convince herself that this is right, what right, right. they deserved. And she's not convincing herself. She's not convincing Willow, who has, at this point, the biggest understanding of exactly what Anya is grappling with. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, let's go to the woods real quick for a little spider boomerang fucking sword action, shall we? Yuck. Xander and Buffy, side by side, just... Two buddies on the look for one giant spider. Uh, They come across, what luck, (laughs) a gentleman who appears to have been dehearted. And uh, Buffy's like, oh, this is, this looks like our guy. And Xander's like, yeah, we're a copycat spider demon. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's safe to say that this this is, we're in the right place. Uh, There are thick black 
ropes of webbing uh, yeah. hanging down from the trees and uh, Xander touches one and goes, sticky. <laughs> Xander's going to Xander, uh, you know? Yeah. And then they notice some movement above them in the trees and then, oh, Lord, the practical effects, the CGI. Effect, it's just all it's not this poor spider deserved not... better. A, a rope of web comes down from the trees and basically like just like flaps against Xander's shoulder and he like goes flying. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. Bobby's like, Xander! Daniel! <laughs> um, yeah, it's not great. I mean, I think that we are just in a time when it became possible to actually make a fake spider move so it seemed like a good idea before everyone uh-huh. realized that actually the suggestion of that spider <laughs> is more effective <laughs> than seeing what the computer can make uh not it's not it's not good but the drool the drool is good the drool works on me buffy's response like her scream cuz we don't like buffy doesn't scream a lot you know she fucking no. screams her fucking head off in this scene and i'm like yes agree completely agree. <laughs> If that fucking spider was drooling on my face, I would also be screaming my fucking head off. Um, I do really like the comedic timing of Xander being like, you know, we should go back to the house, maybe get like an anti-spider amulet, and then we can like get the sword, and we can, and as he's talking, Buffy just throws her fucking entire axe into the trees, hits the spider, and it all comes down, and he's like, or that. It's good. It's good. It makes me laugh. (laughs) To all of our spider expert listeners, mm-hmm. are you aware of if spiders can drool? Real ones. Thank you. Let us know. <gasps> oh, my Far God. From the Vampire Slayer at gmail.com. Send oh, Kristen I've... lots of spider pics. No, don't do that. But I am really <laughs> curious to know if spiders can drool. It's a question I never thought I would need answered, but now I'm simply dying. <gasps> I know, right? Yes. Like, if the kids people you imagine, right know. like a little spider in his little bed with his little sleep cap on, and he's just on his little pillow and he's just drooling a drooling. little bit. <laughs> yeah. Do you think when a spider do you is think under the covers, can snore? <laughs> can spiders snore? When they're under the covers, do they have. Two little paws over mm. the edge of the, the blanket. Four little Four, paws. Six. six little paws. Definitely not eight, because then they would be completely exposed. I think right, that if yeah, they're yeah, like, you, have... you know, like an angelus kind of spider, they probably have all six legs out, you know, because the angel likes to really <laughs> air out his bits and bobs yeah. while he sleeps. Yeah. So. <laughs> Shirtless, sweaty. <laughs> Okay, so a tiny little thing entering into the next scene. They, they've they killed the spider. They're walking into the house. And they're about to go into this serious scene. But before they do, there's just this really quick moment where Buffy puts her axe in, like, the mail bowl at the door. And I, it really got me. <laughs> <laughs> it just is so small. But it's like, of course, you know, a fucking course. So. Yeah, keys, mail, <laughs> axes that need to be washed of... Uh... <laughs> Supernatural spider guts. Exactly, exactly. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. 
Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, who's waiting at Ravello Drive but Willow? Oh God. Xander taking up Don's role for the previous season. How could you not have told me? Oh, you should have told me. Why did you not tell yeah. me? Yep. Willow's like, I'm literally telling you right now. I mean, and she has, Willow has a point. Like, it's not like she waited that long. She just, like, needed to address Yeah, it things. just took, like, a minute. Right. Uh, she wanted to talk to her girlfriend directly first. It, yes. She needed to give Anya the benefit of the doubt. Um, and then Buffy takes this fucking turn. I mean, we only get one line of it in this scene, but she, Buffy's yeah. basically like, well, Willow didn't tell me right, didn't tell us right away because she knows what I have to do. I have to kill her. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, yeah. counterpoint. <laughs> yeah, or just not. Or just not. Uh, we'll get there. First, let's go to St. Petersburg. Yes, over at the dawn of the Russian Revolution, uh, we're at a banquet populated by corpses plus Anyanka plus Halfrek. Yes. For, the, for this is the first Russian Revolution in 1905, there was a bigger Russian revolution in 1917. And I read in some of the continuity that, hmm, because when they smashed Anyanka's amulet, all of the wishes that she was to have formerly granted were to have been undone when that amulet smashed. So we're to believe that even without this wish, the Russian revolution in 1905 would have happened. Okay. Either way. So it might be a little bit of an overreach when Halfrek is like, 
you're partially responsible yeah, for this yeah. revolution. That's fine. That's fine. They're having a great time. Their little fancy gloves are all bloodied up. Yeah. They're setting men on yeah. fire. They're just, they're partying. <laughs> Blood notwithstanding, their outfits are amazing. Uh, Hallie's like, let's go out into the world. And Anyanka's like, or I could just keep doing more and more vengeance. And then Hallie's like, don't you want to see what's going to happen? And she's like, well, obviously socioeconomic <laughs> paradise is extremely nigh. Everything's going to be fine. It's common sense. <laughs> <laughs> the worker oh. will overthrow absolutism. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and so these are like, these are a little, if, if Anya could watch Anya's character arc throughout all of the seasons of Buffy, including the the flashbacks, she would really be able to pick on some of the consistencies of herself because the, she's always had an interest in how finances work and how yeah <laughs> how governments work, and she's she's got an interest. She likes these things, you know. Right, but the thing we're to take away from this scene, for the purpose of like the larger arc of this episode, is all about how once Anya became a vengeance demon, she got really into it to the point where she can say a sentence like, I am vengeance. Like, this is what I exist for. Vengeance is what I do, Halfrek. I don't need anything else. Vengeance is what I am. Uh, Whereas previously, she existed for breeding rabbits and tending to Olaf's every need. Right. Interesting. Right. Right. Um... Something to, something to keep in your kangaroo pocket. Yes. As we go. Yeah. Okay. So here we go deep into what are we doing Buffy Summers territory. Um, we're now in the Summers living room and Willow, Xander, and Anya are having a conversation about killing Anya. Buffy's stance is that this is what has to happen Buffy's like, she's not the Anya that you knew. She's a demon. And it's like, especially like back to this Willow parallel, it's like Willow and, and Xander brings that up. Like when our friends kill people, we like we have a precedent set here. Like we don't just kill them back. We like t- try mm-hmm. to talk to them and find out what they need unless they're faith. And then they go to Los Angeles and they turn themselves into the cops and they sit in a jail cell. But whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But like Willow is a human who was imbued with, who has, and then was overly imbued with so much magic that she was poised to destroy the world. Early on her journey with magic, Dehoffrin came to her and said, do you want to, do you want to do this? So like the, the space between Anya and Willow is so small that for Buffy to sit here and say, Willow is a human and Anya is not, is... Nah, it doesn't that's it's not okay. It's very weird. Um also Buffy's like bedside manner in this scene where she's just like, I know this is hard for you to hear. I just have to kill your ex fiance. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's very I don't know. I don't know. It's not great. And and Xander brings up the point that um he says if there's a mass murdering demon you're boning. It's all gray, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, you know, she's saying, like, oh, that was different. Spike was harmless. La, 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 la. And Buffy then brings up how she killed Angel. 
And here's why this is this <laughs> falls like quite short for me. Uh, killing Angel was the only way to close a portal that was already opened that would swallow literally the entire world mm-hmm. and cre- uh, cause everything to cease to be and pull it into a hell dimension of torment. Whereas, you know, for episodes prior, you know, Buffy is facing off with Angel. She had shots she didn't take at Angel. She did not kill Angel in some instances when she could have. And, you know, it ended the way that it ended and whatever. And like, and and, and you keep saying Angel, but it, he was Angelus, you know, like. Sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, right. Like, and that's and that's who she also thought that she killed, which gets I, I laughed, first of all, when you first said that she brought up Angel because Willow's. Well, it was immediate response of, oh, that worked out okay. See? Like, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got a whole detective agency up in LA. He's, he's doing uh-huh. good. You know, everybody's fine now. Um, but but also, we get this like really quick reveal <laughs> that no one but the viewer notices where Buffy is basically like, you pushed me, like, you told me to do that. You told me that I should kill him. You encouraged that. So why would you be encouraging it now? I got your, I got Willow's message from Xander saying, kick his ass. Kick his ass. <laughs> Willow's like, what? Willow piping up. I never said that. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody's listening. But yeah, I think, I mean, to your point, Jenny, it, all, all I have to say to your point is it is a very good point. Uh, it, it, Xander is making yeah. good points. Willow is making good points. Buffy is not at all making good points. There is no line of continuity here that gets us to a place where Buffy would stand in her house and say, the only solution to this problem is to kill Anya. Uh, there is no precedent for that at all. Uh, and, uh, yeah, except for perhaps to lay some seeds for future things that might happen. I don't know. Um, but in terms <laughs> of where we are right now, I, it just doesn't really make any sense. And, you know, Buffy, Buffy is like drawing this line and Xander calls her out on it. Like, we know when you do this, like you, you cut us out, you know, and she's always had the, mm-hmm. she always had this complex because because like fuck a chosen one story right and she's always had the complex because she's been given that fucking story you are the one you are the chosen mm-hmm. one and so she says like at some point someone has to draw the line it is always going to be me in the end the slayer is always cut off human rules don't apply there's only me i am the law hmm hmm also remember when faith said that she was the law and Buffy was like, lies. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Not the law. That <laughs> um, this oh, is dangerous thinking. It feels regressive. Is, is that the right word to use? Like, it feels like how Buffy, um, like what Buffy was grappling with in the earlier seasons of feeling isolated as the Slayer. It yeah. Just feels like. Yeah, yeah. We've had six seasons of learning that. She doesn't have to cut herself off. She can yeah. be a part of a larger community that I just hate to see her retreating into this headspace. Uh, it's not. Yeah. You know, and you can't. I don't I don't know that you can entirely uh, put the blame on on her for it. You know, I mean, ultimately, you go all the way back to the old white dudes sitting uh, up in their tower with their fucking books who have set up a system to 
make her feel like she is isolated. And I guess that's going to permeate and maybe stick with her. But uh, either way, it's not a good fucking it's not a good headspace. Somebody get her out of there. (laughs) Xander says there has to be another way. Buffy says, then please find it. Then she proceeds to get her really big sword out of her weapons chest. And she looks to Willow and Willow's like, I can't. I can't go with you because it did get a little sexy. Uh, so I, I can't be a part of this. <laughs> yes. um, and I mean, to Willow's credit, she probably wouldn't have helped anyway, because Willow also understands that you don't fucking kill your friends. I mean, she really yeah, mostly understands. <laughs> yeah. She just got back yeah. from pulling flowers up out of the ground in England. Like, <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, but she is going to take some action. She's she going to dig around for a magical item. She's going to pour... A circle of red sand in the bathroom. Who's going to clean that up? Don. Definitely Don. <laughs> you know Don is like, like Don comes in to fucking do her eye makeup and she looks down. She's like, God fucking damn it. She gets the dust pan out. Like, <laughs> another dust, another fucking magical dust circle <laughs> in the bathroom. She summons to Hoffren and I love that he appears with his back to her and is doing his very dramatic slow so turn good. announcing himself behold <laughs> me bringer of blood destroyer of worlds ah, ah miss rosenberg <laughs> yeah great very cute great delivery um also i would love to know if all of those amulets that willow is like rustling through in her drawer were like many offers from many different societies of various demons oh, yeah. you know just like please take my card take call me yeah. if you change your mind <laughs> summon me if you change your mind <laughs> So, um, yeah, De Hoffren compliments Willow uh, on what he refers to as water cooler vengeance. Uh, incredible. Incredible. They, the Warren Mears uh, death that just impressed demons the world around. And uh, Lloyd, the vengeance demon Lloyd is so impressed, of course, that, you know, there it is, a sketch. I mean, Lloyd, man, mm-hmm. take it down. Nobody wants to see that shit. <laughs> well, maybe in uh, yeah. Vengeance Demon Incorporated headquarters, they do. Yeah, it's true. So we don't know what Willow says to DeHoffren about Anya, but we can probably gather before we even get to the next scenes um, that mm-hmm. she has mm-hmm. called him there because she wants to talk about her concerns. Looking out. She's looking out for Anya. Remember when Anya was looking out for her when she got back and Aww. little Gnarl was trying to eat Willow's skin? Aww. They really had each other's Aww. fucking backs, man. Do you think Narl and Dahafran know each other? Dahafran would not even fucking fuck with Narl. No. Mm. No. Fuck. Narl, I think, has a rough time out there in the world finding pals. Let me tell you what. Yeah, yeah. Well, now he's just dead. Do you think that Narl is like, but there's many Narls. I mean, their names aren't all Narl, but Mm. there's probably more long, befingered, skin eating demons (laughs) who love tasty gifts. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so back at the frat house, Anya is mournfully fingering the blood splatter on the what is this, an episode of Dexter? In strolls Xander, letting her know that Buffy's coming to kill you. She's like, she's coming to try. Anya seems very in touch and respectful of the reality that she and Buffy have their respective jobs to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which I like, I respect that about both of them in that, in that context that like, yes, they do need to put aside their personal feelings to do their jobs. I just don't necessarily think that Buffy is really doing hers, but 
Uh, mm. th- Xander and Anya also have like a little moment where because he says, I want to help you. Um, I'm sorry. And I just want to give a moment, a little beat to Anya <laughs> looking at him and saying, well, thank you. I'm all better now. <laughs> because <laughs> I like it um, Buffy and Anya have a great exchange uh, where Buffy says get out of my way Xander and Anya says get out of her way Xander <laughs> yeah Just really like, good and then she evergreen. punches him out of the way Yeah, uh, these ladies punch hard they are hard punchers Anya says are there any friends left you haven't tried to kill now I just want to read you a little snippet from the Buffy wiki page during their fight, Anya asks Buffy, are there any of your friends you haven't tried to kill? Buffy set a demon loose to kill Xander, Willow, Dawn, and Tara in normal again, fought Willow in two to go, Angel and Spike in season two, accidentally attacked Cordelia, and welcome to the Hellmouth, Oz in What's My Line Part One, Riley in the Initiative, and Giles in A New Man. <laughs> yeah, she's, that's a, that's a list. checked off list. That's a list. <laughs> It just made me laugh because it was so comprehensive. Um. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, they fight. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. We get flying kicks. Anya's fighting unarmed to Buffy's sword. Uh, Badass. Anya gets this really sick kick into Buffy's face. It's like pretty good. Um, And, you know, dude. Did that list not include one mention of faith? That list did not include faith. I didn't write the fucking list. I didn't write the list. I just read the list. I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize for not realizing that in my own delight over how many people she had tried to kill. Yes. Um, Yeah, so Buffy, I mean, this is, if you're watching this in real time and you're back in 2002, this commercial break is set up to just absolutely give you space to lie down on the floor and feel as though you might die because Buffy takes her sword and in the last move of this scene, she plunges it through both Anya and the wall, pinning no, Anya thank you. to the wall via sword through the heart. No, 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 no. Coming back from commercial, this dirty little trick. Sunnydale, 2001. Why, that was last year, wasn't it? (laughs) Okay, so obviously this is a scene, a a cut scene, we are to believe, from Once More with Feeling. There are many songs we didn't see, right? And and that's alluded (laughs) to. The coconuts are on the the counter from one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And this this is a song we did not see, but that happened in Sunnydale during... Once more with feeling. Now, before mm-hmm. we like talk about the song, the the one of the cues, apart from Sunnydale 2001 and the coconuts and the other references, is that through the door we hear, oh no, mustard on my favorite dress shirt being sung through the, from the streets. Now. Yeah. Oh yeah. What I thought to myself immediately was, hold on a second, because they've already sang their song. I'll never tell. So that means that this guy who got his mustard out just got mustard on his shirt again. (laughs) (laughs) He just got that shit cleaned and he got mustard on his shirt again. Oh no. He's just stuck in a mustard. This can be so cruel. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I got a a personal Chris and Russo kick out of that shit. Um, 
<laughs> my li- my actual note is just LOL again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then Anya, um, uh, this is so sad, isn't it, Jenny? Yeah, man. She sings a little song about how she's largely had no path in life, but now her path is to be Mrs. Xander Harris, right. essentially. I've boned a troll, I've wreaked some wrath, but on the whole I've had no path. I like to bowl, I'm good with math, but who am I? Now I reply that I'm the missus. I will be his missus. Mrs. Anya Christina Emanuela Jenkins Harris. Listen, being a partner is serious business. Totally. Uh, in, in whatever shape that takes for said partner um, in terms of like shared responsibilities or whatever, like that's valid and, and real and uh, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, but fitting this puzzle piece into the larger theme of the episode about Anya feeling maybe like she doesn't have an identity and she like tofu uh takes on mm-hmm. the flavor of the identity of the things that she's closest to mm-hmm. feels a little eek um yeah. however two important things happen in this song okay the first is that we find out Anya likes to bowl oh yeah that's true which i love yeah that fits that fits and the the second thing is that when she goes into their bedroom to fluff pillows. Oh my God, I still didn't see it even this time. There is something in the bedroom that I found so alarming that I sent Kristen <laughs> a picture of it. Kristen, you're going to have to put that on social media so everyone can see. Okay. There's a vertical sort of three panel screen uh, st- that's, you know, like five feet tall or whatever. And it's in front of a lamp. So light is shining through it and it features the pattern of what I can only describe as like a, a mud flap girl, but standing up. Yeah, like kind putting of putting on a shoe or a s- stepping into a. a yeah. pa- Ooh, it's a dressing screen and she's getting dressed. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucking weird. And I, I mean, I guess in this same apartment, they have like lava lamps and model trucks and stuff. So clearly kind of they're kitschy. They're a little kitschy in their decor. So like maybe it could get a well, little pass. If Anya picked it out, it gets a pass. <laughs> I don't think I just can't imagine her picking it out. Look at her apartment now. Look at her apartment before. That's true. Look at her nightgown. But, you know oh, what I mean? That's such a good fucking point, though. Look at all of her apartments up until her apartment now. They've all been so forged around who she is in that moment and who she's with in that moment, you know? Hmm, interesting. That's because yep. yep. that, that goes along with the self-proclaimed tofu theory of it all, um, which is that she sort of takes on, rather than like adding herself to the equation, she takes on the environment where she is. She says, so one of the lyrics in the song that like really guts me and I'm sure all of you, because we know it's like we we know when we're watching this song, which we didn't know when they were singing their song in Once More With Feeling that Xander will leave her at the altar. And so she says, um, like, who am I? I'm his missus. And then she says, maybe if you're lucky, being a pair can make you twice as tall. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's just. 
really sad. This is so interesting that that hit you so hard because I heard that line and I was like, okay, the person who wrote the song checked out just for for that line specifically. <laughs> I just thought so we it are was at so opposite sad. ends of the experience spectrum. Well, we are divorced, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it just it it just is so sad. Like like picturing Anya in this headspace of like maybe. Like, maybe by combining myself with this person will be twice what we could have been. This, like, hopeful, Mm. after everything she's been through, after everything she's lost, after everything she's fucking done, that she's still, like, maybe this time, maybe this way, maybe. And you know that, of course, that is not going to be the case at all. So Mm. that's why it hurts me. It hurts my heart. (laughs) So as she sings, I will be, there's another hard cut, isn't there? Back to an impaled and apparently dead Anya. But she has one. Then she's like, <gasps> yeah, she has one tear. Because I guess we are to oh, yeah. uh, believe, right, that the scene we just saw is just her. Like she remembered it. She was remembering oh, no. it. And she cried oh, no. one tear pinned to the wall with a sword through her heart. It's so sad. Anyway. Um, Don't worry. She's fine. She pulls the sword out and screams. Yeah. And she and she says, you know better than that, Buffy, which I choose to cling to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, we hope. I hope that Buffy did, in fact, know that that was not going to kill Anya. But... Um, you know, Buffy does, this is where we get the flying kick. Stop trying to save me, Xander, because Xander, like, pushes Buffy out of the way. I don't even know what he does, but he does something. He tackles her. Tackles her. He does a little side tackle. And then thank, and, and Anya, to be, to be clear, Anya is taking swings. She has the sword now that would surely have killed Buffy. Like, like she is not holding back. She is also doing her job in this moment, mm-hmm. trying to kill Buffy. Mm-hmm. And then um, Dahafrin. Dahafrin is here and he has this line, which I already referenced because I called it the frat house. What did I call it? Frat Crombie? No, Murder Crombie. Murder Crombie. Um, Murder Crombie. Um, and I read, I don't know if you read this as well, Jenny, but that this line where he looks in and he says, it looks like someone slaughtered an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog. The network <laughs> was really unhappy with this line um, because yeah. it sounded like DeHoffrin didn't care about the deaths of the frat boys. Goddard explained that DeHoffrin is in fact evil, but the network still didn't get it. So, so he wrote another line, which was to be, it looks like Maxim has just lost 15 subscriptions. I don't understand how that's <laughs> any different, but okay. Um, but then the original line finally was accepted by the network. So it was kept in. But could you imagine these conversations? Like, dude, that Drew Goddard is like, he's a demon, man. The whole fucking point is that he doesn't care about these dead kids. Why would he care? Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. it has to be so frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, DeHoffrin also refers to Buffy as Lady Hacksaway. (laughs) (laughs) Just good. Uh, But, you know, he's just like, Miss Rosenberg, you know, sent me over here. And it's clear that, like, Xander loves Anya. So he thinks he knows what's best. And, you know, it's clear Mm -hmm. that this one with the fucking sword thinks that she knows what's best. But how about we ask Anya what she wants? Mm-hmm. Oh. And 
What Anya wants is to take it back. Dehoffren's like... Which is no small thing. Yeah. As Dehoffren is quick to point out, the, the scales have to be balanced. And um, this is where we do a little hell math and discover that 12 frat boys <laughs> equal the life and soul of one vengeance demon. That's the equivalency. Hell math. Also... This is where we learn that a vengeance demon has a soul, question mark. Ooh. Which uh, I'd like to just make sure Buffy takes a strong note of that because much is made of, of souls, souls and demonhood yeah. and uh, whether you get to murder someone or not. That's true. Good point. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, after she gets this equivalency and she knows what is, or she thinks she knows what is at stake, which is uh, her own life, she says... To Xander, and then to Dehoffrin, these things. Xander, you can't help me. I'm not even sure there's a me to help. I understand the price. Do it. You're sure? This is your wish? This is my wish. Undo what I did. Oh, no. You know, I really liked DeHoffrin. Like, I really, I was really rooting for him, you know, in general. I thought he was yeah. a pretty okay dude. <laughs> uh, this is his only offense as far, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's rough. I guess because we've never seen DeHoffrin exact revenge. Like, we've only yeah. seen him, like, as they, as somebody who, like, takes care of them and makes sure they're okay. And yeah. Also, we've never seen him be petty. Right. Right. Like, it's like this is like he's only I mean, he's not only hurting himself, but he is destroying one of his own vengeance demons to hurt one of his other vengeance demons. Sir, please get yourself to demon therapy. Right. But he said but what he says to Anya is like I like basically like like we were all told becoming vengeance demons, you you don't go for the kill when you can go for the pain. And so it's it's like his loss is less than her pain. So therefore it makes yeah. sense to him and sick. Sick, sir. It's really just so sad. And, and you know, we needed it, like, as a vehicle, of course, because we needed to, I mean, really Buffy needed to see that Anya was at this place where she would be willing to sacrifice herself for the greater good uh, so that, you know, she wouldn't fucking kill her. But um, it's really sad. And Hallie, poor fucking Hallie, man, just doing her job, just like doing I mean, everything right. And it didn't. And just boom, burned, gone. Ugh, she's lived so long. What a shame. Yeah, it looked painful, too. It didn't look good. No, it didn't. Anya says, you should have killed me. And DeHoffrin says, oh, FBYID. <laughs> You, he's like, you have but to wait for your imminent death. He's like, if I'm making a trip to Sunnydale, I at least get to see from beneath you. It devours one time. That's the, that's one the deal. One time. <laughs> so out to Hoffman goes Anya. There's something so um, specific about Anya's little sneakers. Like they're just they're like it's just, she just looks so disarmed and vulnerable, I think. And like part mm. of that 
goes to the costuming department for putting her in these like little little flats, little flat sneakers, and she very sadly walks out of the door and Buffy says to Xander, go ahead, like go go after her. I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with these boys. <laughs> like, please show me the missing scene. What does she say? <laughs> oh, good morning. Yeah. Um the blood is just uh <laughs> What also, what here? about the girl? Are they going to wipe the girl's memory Yo. somehow? Like, <laughs> like if they ever reboot a Buffy thing, like let it just be tying up all of the loose ends. You know, that would be such a delightful project. Just like take all oh, the loose yeah. ends and figure out how they all tie up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so out, we go outside and we have this scene between Anya and Xander. Yeah, Xander's like, regardless of what's between you and me, like, you shouldn't have to be alone right now. And Anya's like, au contraire, yes, I should. Uh, And then she starts talking about this realization she's having that, like, her whole life, she's just clung to whatever came along. Mm -hmm. And Xander's like, it was cool when you were clinging to me. And she's like, thank you. Uh, he goes to leave the first time and she's like Xander what if I really am nobody oh buddy and then somehow Xander gets like a win by saying don't be a dope and she's like I'm a dope (laughs) he's like sometimes and she's like well that's a start and you know I mean I love the idea, like, I I do love the concept of Anya figuring out that she hasn't allowed herself to be present fully in any of the different various places in her life, probably since before she was with Olaf. Like, we don't know what happened mm-hmm. before then. But if there was mm-hmm. a time when she was actually allowing herself to be her full self, it would have only been before Olaf. And so I I do love, of course, that Anya has gotten to a place where she's realizing that and she wants to be able to get to a place where she can be fully herself. Mm -hmm. But and it is not it's certainly not with Xander. So she's correct there. But I always take a little bit of a pause (laughs) to storylines that suggest that the only way you can find out who you are is in solitude, you know, like because I. Like if, if Xander wasn't Xander, if if she had a partnership that w- was one that allowed her to, her to be her fullest self, that would also be a pathway. And I think a lot of times like television shows and movies and, you know, things of that nature, media overall tries to say like, mm-hmm. well, if you don't know who you are yet, you really shouldn't be, you know, you can't you can't love somebody else till you love yourself. And I just I don't I, I just don't like that message. I don't I don't actually uh, subscribe to it. Ascribe to it. What's the difference between ascribe and subscribe? Uh, subscribing is when you're like, I'll have one of those, please. And <laughs> ascribing is when you're saying, I agree with um, one of those. That that quote, I ascribe that quote to Plato. Oh, right? so I would like to subscribe then? I would like to have... I w- <laughs> All fell apart Yeah, yeah. He ascribed Jane's short temper to her upset stomach. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, well then, okay, so I don't subscribe to this idea, uh, and I need to cool. really spend some time considering how and when to use the word ascribe, which I never knew the meaning <laughs> of until right now. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I don't know. What a beautiful episode. Do you do you like this episode, Jenny? <sighs> 
I really do. I really do. You know? I mean, I love, as you know, I love Anya very much. Mm-hmm. And um, I love to see her origin story. Um, I think Emma Caulfield gets to do a lot, gets to really stretch her legs in this app. Yeah. yeah. Um, what a genius. What an absolute genius Emma Caulfield is. Yeah, she's so great. Um, I don't know if I feel like, I don't know. It does feel like the idea that Anya doesn't have a sense of identity feels a little bit out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? But but I do, like, we have pieces that we can, like, put together and be like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense in the context of, like, oh, she gets really into being an American when right. she's, like... Right. A human and like she gets really into like financial management mm-hmm. and she gets really into Xander when they're together. Yeah. Um Yeah. And, and she I... does get really into being a Scooby when she's Scoobying. Yeah, and I think that she just hasn't had the ability to be able to examine that. Cause I don't think that it's necessarily right. like I mean, you know, we'll see what we get to explore as the season goes on. But I, I don't I don't think that like Anya figuring out who she is will be a rejection of the way that she fixates on things. I think it will be a deeper understanding of the way that she fixates on things and uh, sort of an integration of like the fact that she can exist within all of those things, you know, as opposed to Mm. perhaps the way, because I'm not sure that this is like, I think that this is the fault of the world worlds in which Anya has lived, you know, that like, the reason that she feels like she doesn't know, and I, I guess I started here, but like the, the reason that she feels like she doesn't know who she is is because the worlds where she exists have told her that someone like her either shouldn't exist, doesn't exist, or like is at the very least really annoying and should be quiet about their existence. Mm-hmm. Right? And 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 it's so interesting because when Anya's character was first introduced to us, we were led to believe that the way that Anya interacted with the world around her was specifically because of the fact that she was a demon and now she was a human again. But that is entirely undone by this episode because she has always been who she's been, no matter where that has landed across time. Um, And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I mean, and I guess it it overlaps with what you're saying. Like it kind of comes out of nowhere that Anya doesn't know who she is because I think you and I are both people who would read this experience as like Anya actually kind of does know who she is. She just hasn't figured out how to integrate it with a world around her that doesn't understand it. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Johnny just gave me that look like, okay, so that was like good, serious talk. And uh, now we have to get to sexual tension. Are you ready to do that with me? I am. Yes. Welcome once again to the freshest installation of the Sexual Tension Awards. So as they pertain to Season 7, Episode 5, Selfless, the episode you just listened to us discuss for like an hour and a half. Um, (laughs) All right. Slots for your noms. Noms for your slots. Here we go. In the first slot, it did 
get a little sexy, didn't it? So much so that I would prefer to not watch my best friend murder you. It's Willow and Anya. Yeah, baby. Two overlapping traumatic experiences with a little smooching in between. With a uh, sitting right in the middle of a circle of poured colored sand. Lit by betasseled lights. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yep. Uh, In slot number two. I know that I've never called anybody Lemon Drop unless I had at least uh, <laughs> at minimum a passing fancy for them. It's Hal freaking Willow. Every <laughs> listener is frantically scrolling back to if you've ever maybe called them Lemon Drop. <laughs> uh, in slot number three, this episode has everything, including <laughs> Buffy's favorite love language, penetration. Wow. Uh, the last time we saw her stab a gal, it was Faith. And we all know how that began, middled, and ended. <laughs> uh, and in this episode, she impales Anya on a sword, which is at least third base. Uh, so, <laughs> slot number three, Buffy and Anya. And the final noms for this episode's Sexual Tension Awards. Uh, in slot number four, they have a passion we cannot hope to understand uh, that draws them towards one another. It's Lloyd and his sketch of the flaying of Warren Mears. Do you think he hired Angel to sketch for him? <laughs> uh, an Angelus original. Yeah. <laughs> Signed just and numbered. A little, just a little light charcoal from our from our boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Uh, if you, if you beautiful listener would like to frigging make your voice heard in our beautiful sexy democracy democ sexy okay i'll workshop um a portmanteau sexmocracy sexmocracy i don't have to workshop it (laughs) i did did the work for me i did it i have something to coast make your voice heard in your in our beautiful sexmocracy uh by casting your vote on uh the sexual attention award poll for this episode, which you can find on our Twitter at BufferingCast. It will be up one week from the airing of this episode. Well, we've come to the point in the episode where we must tell you who we are. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. Wizard of the twelfth realm of Ephesius, master of light and shadow, and when I'm not watching Buffy what the fuck. I'm usually writing and recording songs. You can find my music by searching my name on your favorite digital music platform. It's Jenny Owen Youngs, just in case you missed it. Uh, You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. You can join me for live streams on my Twitch channel on a weekly basis. Uh, My latest release, Echo Mountain, is freshly out on very hot, hot, hot vinyl. And uh, you can also listen to me sing some other songs in my little gay girl band, LAX's. I'm Kristen Russo, and I just Googled what was the tagline of He-Man so that I would have something to say, and it is, I have the power. (laughs) So... You do. You truly do. And, um, you know, if you want to learn about things that I do when I'm not talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer or popping my little head into uh, the nemesis bin over at Angel on Top, you can go to my website, kristinnoline.com, and learn about work that I do with LGBTQ communities. I do talks at workplaces, at high schools. But you can learn all about that. Uh, Kristen Noline, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, 
N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Use that spelling to find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, And, you know, that's about all I have to say about me. What about us? <gasps> Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can support our work on Patreon. We would love it if you joined us over there, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on Patreon to do that. You can scoop up merch if you like that kind of thing. You can rate and review us. You can just think really warm thoughts about us. Oh, yeah. Think warm thoughts. This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen-Youngs, and Alba Daza, with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade, and edited by John Mark Nelson. And... Till next time. Ah, <laughs> power, what's the point of power? Passing endless hours, fogging up the glass. Choose it, dare to even use it Then you risk to lose it Better not to chance Show me How do you know me? You can't see what I see Shattered and empty A bad and broken thing It's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.